Hello and welcome to the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. My name is Ellis Williams. We're recording this on a Wednesday afternoon from a few remote locations, all things considered. I'm joined by fellow Browns beat writers, Dan Lobby and Mary Kay Cabot. My friends, how are you two doing after a couple busy days of NFL free agency? Uh, I'm, I'm doing well. Just uh, social distancing myself from everyone as we follow along here. Yeah, we're all obviously, like everyone else, trying to make the best of it. And the, the weird part about it is that while all of this is going on, of course, uh, the NFL is just plowing ahead and forging right through and conducting NFL business. So it's been a really bizarre few days. Yeah, yeah, it really has. And in a way, it's it's a nice distraction. But then, there, you know, I see the other side of it, too. But um, as we are all professionals, we're, we're here to provide you with the latest on the Cleveland Browns and maybe a little distraction, as we said, also. So let's start with the, the busy day that the Browns had on Monday, though free agency technically doesn't begin until the new league year starts at uh, 4 p.m. today on Wednesday. The legal tampering period did open Monday at noon, and the Browns wasted little time getting top names like Austin Hooper and Jack Conklin. Let's start. I want to just break, break down the timeline with how uh, Mary Kay does it on her Twitter timeline here at 12.43 p.m. Austin Hooper agreed to terms with the Browns. That would make him the highest paid tight end of the league. A couple hours later, those terms were reported at four years, $42 million, and lots of guaranteed cash, which we'll get into. Around 5.06 p.m., Jack Conklin and the Browns agreed to a three-year, $42 million deal with $30 million guaranteed. And then at 5.35 p.m., the Browns and Case Keenum agreed to a three-year deal, $18 million guaranteed. So that was our Monday. Let's start at the top. Mary Kay, as only you can, can you peel back the curtain a bit before we talk about what Austin Hooper brings to the Browns? How did the Browns and Hooper land on this deal? Well, I, I got a tip uh, shortly before the opening of free agency. And if you look at my Twitter timeline, even before free agency opens, uh, I, I threw it out there that uh, Austin Hooper was going to be an early target for the Cleveland Browns. And sure enough, uh, you know, a little while later, Austin Hooper was a Cleveland Brown. So I uh, was kind of happy that turned out that way. Uh, you know, he's somebody that's going to come in here and play a very big role in Kevin Stefanski's two tight end set. And with the Vikings last year, they were in two tight ends, I think 57% of the time, according to ESPN stats and info. Yep. So you can see that they're going to use that a lot. Now, what does this mean for David Njoku? It doesn't mean that he's leaving. It doesn't mean that he's going to be traded. Uh, he's still going to play an integral role, and those will be the two top tight ends, Austin Hooper, David Njoku. So Hooper comes in here with a lot of production, uh, six touchdowns last year, 73-some catches, over 700 yards. Uh, so this is someone uh, that is really going to be able to come in here and add to what should be an explosive offense. Yeah, Dan, your thoughts on the move? I mean, we, we kind of all talked about the possibility of this happening. Now that it's a reality, uh, what was your initial reaction? Just that the Browns were uh, kind of acting on, you know, what they did, what they've done all offseason. They went out and they hired a guy like Kevin Stefanski, who it's very clear the type of offense he wants to run. And, and as we get into more and more moves, you know, throughout this podcast, we're, it, it all kind of aligns with, with this. That's been the buzzword all offseason. And so you go out and hire this guy and, and you put your money where your mouth is and go make Austin Hooper the highest paid tight end in football. Uh, you, you can see kind of exactly what the Browns are trying to do. I, I, it's been a little while since you've seen this team's approach really kind of line up with a system they're trying to build. And, and I just think this plays into that clear vision uh, of what they want to be offensively. Yeah, Dan, I couldn't agree more. It feels like by just one signing or, like you said, Barry and Stefanski now – making their first move with the messages they've been sending, the Browns are, are, have already found an identity and there hasn't been any football played, of course. Now, look, things need to work on the field. But just piggybacking off what you said, it seems like this team is going to be exactly as advertised. Run the ball, play action, two tight ends, and running backs. Um, I want to ask both of you this, and you know, just surfing NFL Twitter, Browns Twitter, you, you're going to see this all over the place. And there probably isn't a, a right answer just based on – the effectiveness that we assume Hooper will have and whatnot, but simply put uh, Mary Kay, we can start with you. D did the Browns overpay for Austin Hooper here? Well, first of all, you have to overpay if you're going to try to land these kind of guys 
in free agency. Uh, if they didn't give him that kind of a contract, I'm sure he was going to get something pretty close from someone else because that's the name of the game in free agency. But I think what's important to remember here is that uh, is that the Browns were able to land guys in this free agency period that were the top players at their position heading into this free agency frenzy. And to be able to do that, I think, speaks well of the program. It means that veterans out there see something good going on here with Kevin Stefanski and Andrew Barry and the talent on his football team. And, you know, I, I just think it, it really speaks well to what those guys are doing. Yeah. Say, same thing to you, Dan. Um, when you see these numbers that Hooper's pulling in, are, are you okay with them when you look at them? I, you know, I am. And, and I think it's always important to remember when you see NFL contracts, they're not real. You know, I mean, yeah, a, a few a few years ago, the Browns traded for Jarvis Landry and gave him a five-year, $75 million extension. And if they wanted to, they could move on from Jarvis Landry this year and it wouldn't cost them all that much. It, it's, you know, these deals are sort of, uh, these numbers that come out early on, you know, yes, they're real numbers, but they're not actually the numbers we're going to see when these contracts, you know, whenever the Browns decide that they want to be done with, with a guy like Austin Hooper. And this is a very young roster. Uh, David Njoku is, is still cheap as the Browns have to, to kind of figure out what he is and, and figure out if he can play. Uh, so, you know, they're, they're still in a place where they can afford to hand out this kind of money. And the reality is if you're the Cleveland Browns and you went six and 10 last year and you've got a head coach, nobody knows about, and you know, the youngest GM in football, there, there's kind of a cost that comes with being the Cleveland Browns. And sometimes you have to overpay to get guys to come here. I, I don't have any issue with it. Yeah, Dan, I, I couldn't agree more. And Mary Kay, like you said at the top of that, you, you got to overpay to land these guys. And this is the type of player that Kevin Stefanski needed for his offense. Simply the tight ends at the Browns roster right now, we're not going to cut the the vision the way the Stefanski wants to execute. Uh, you know, we keep saying it, two tight ends. But it's not just having, of course, two athletic tight ends on the field. He's looking for guys who know how to find holes in the defense. Uh, Hooper is one of the highest graded tight ends when it, terms of versus zone coverage uh, and he's got like a 93 percent catch rate in those situations he's also great at contested catches uh, second among tight ends at like 53 percent so this guy is a smart football player that's going to fit right into his fancy system and he just he knows he's got the feel in those tight zones that you really can't teach it's an innate feeling uh, when you're when you're facing coverages like that and you know watching the tape hooper is sound and knows where he's supposed to be and that's why i think barry had to go out and be aggressive here and make this play because once Hunter Henry was franchise tagged, there really wasn't a tight end that Stefanski probably thought he could trust to be a key part of his system. You know, if there's double teams on the outside, you're going to find soft zones for Hooper to work at. Um, I want to now touch on Jack Conklin. Mary Kay, you alluded to the Browns not only hitting on the top tight end on the market, but another top player in Conklin. He, a few hours later after the Hooper deal was reported, uh, Mary Kay, you had three years, 42 million and 30 million guaranteed for Jack Conklin. Again, as only you can do, can you pull back the curtain and how were the Browns able just a few hours later to land the top tackle on the market? Well, this had been in the works for a long time. Uh, they knew that he was one of their top targets heading into this thing. Uh, we had been talking about it, writing it, reporting it. And uh, they were one of the front runners right from the start. It was going to take a lot of money to get him. Drew Rosenhaus, his agent, wanted a shorter contract uh, so that he could later let him hit the market again and get another payday when he's 28 years old. So I think that was a big part of it, that they were willing to do this shorter term deal. He's got a lot of uh, guaranteed money in the contract. So it's, a, it's definitely a win for him. And they get the best right tackle uh, on the free agency market, it's it's going to really help shore up that side of the offensive line. And I sort of feel like now, uh, you know, if they get their left tackle at number 10 overall, which I fully, fully expect them to do, uh, depending on, you know, there are some other options there, but uh, sure. they're going to end up with a new left tackle either in the draft or some other way. Uh, you know, if they don't go out and end up with a, you know, a, a star right guard, I think they'll be okay. I mean, they're going to, they're going to have, really, really good players at most of the positions, top-notch players at most of the positions on the offensive line. So this goes a long, long way towards helping protect Baker Mayfield. Yep, Dan, uh, when you saw the news, like, look, we already talked about Hooper, and then you see the Conklin news. Where did your head go? Two top guys after that. That doesn't seem 
Um, it, it just doesn't fall in line with Brown's history, but here we are talking about it. Where'd your head go? Well, they, you know, they, again, they, they got the top guy out there and, and they need, they came into this off season needing two tackles and uh, they addressed one and now this frees them up to, uh, you know, have a long-term fix at right tackle and then go find their long-term fix at left tackle and bookend those lines. You've already got JC Treader and, and Joel Batonio, as Mary Kay mentioned, you have, you know, premium players now at three offensive line positions. If, if you draft somebody at number 10, you, you would assume that would be a fourth premium, premium player there. So, uh, you know, it's a credit to the Browns for understanding they were going to need to get these two tackles. So they went on free agency and addressed one. Of course, the irony here is uh, a few years ago in 2016, they could have drafted Jack Conklin, uh, but they traded that pick to Tennessee. So Tennessee could draft Jack Conklin. Uh, so they, I guess they write that wrong four years later. Sure. It's funny how that all comes full circle. Um, look, I want to take a second here and, and, and try and quantify these two big moves by the Browns. Um, you know, both of you have been doing this for a long time and just your history in the state as a whole. Um, look, these are two big signings and I don't want to be a prisoner of the moment. Of course, there's been no football games played yet, but was Monday one of the more memorable Browns days in their history or, or do I sound like a 26 year old from, from Minnesota right now? Where does this land with you guys? You know what? It wasn't one of the the bigger days. I mean, I remember the day that uh, that John Dorsey just like made a million uh, trades and moves sure. and everything on one day. There have been other days uh, that have have been sort of more have more of a blockbuster feel than this. This to me had a really good, solid, smart feel to it. Uh, they they filled some holes that they really needed. They didn't go too crazy. Uh, they didn't overpay. Uh, for the most part. So it was just a smart day in my mind. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm with Mary Kay there. I, you know, I mean, Ellis, obviously, <laughs> you, you haven't been around this that uh, long enough to know the Browns have won more off seasons. They probably have games uh, since sure. they came back in 1999. They've, they've had off seasons where they've gone and, you know, made big splash moves. I mean, just a year ago, you know, they went out and traded for Odell Beckham Jr. and added Olivier Vernon and uh, you know, they, they've gone out and added these big names before, and, and it's never been able to translate to wins in, when September rolls around. But I, I'm just – I'm with Mary Kay on this and that this was a very – this is what they needed to do. It wasn't spectacular, but they went out, they got a couple of top guys at positions of specific need. Uh, I thought the approach was pretty measured. You needed a tight end. You went and got a tight end. You needed two tackles. You went and fixed one of those spots already. Uh, you know, there's other positions that, that I'm sure we're going to get to that they've added to as well. It feels like it feels like they're really putting something together here to to make Kevin Stefanski and and their quarterback Baker Mayfield and and kind of make this successful as opposed to just throwing a bunch of money at whoever's out there and, and trying to remake the entire roster on the fly. Yeah, I, I really agree with you both, and I think that's well put with just how it feels like a, a smart day, and I think maybe that's why uh, I feel like it's a it's a bigger, more in an important day. Um, just cutting tape and watching these guys play, uh, you know, I had a Hooper story go live last night, and I'm working on some some Conklin tape. They just they're smart football players. They know where they're supposed to be. They play the game the right way, and I can see why Kevin Stefanski, Andrew Barry, and company are drawn to these guys and now have acquired them because it, it seems like on brand with what they're trying to build outside of a, a splashy landing like Odell Beckham Jr. Not saying Odell Beckham Jr. will not fit in the system. I, I expect him to do very well, of course, but these are two acquisitions that align with, again, what we've been saying, the, the, the words and the vision they've been trying to lay out. Uh, a few other things to clean up here. First, Case Keenum, uh, three years, 18 million, 10 of it guaranteed. We've talked at length about Keenum. Mary Kay, you've been on this from the start as how he would fit in real well here. Uh, do you just want to talk a little bit about Case Keenum, how this finally came to and his role now that he's Baker uh, Mayfield's backup? Well, right from the start, uh, you know, you guys know I've been writing about this since back at the Combine that, that Case Keenum was the guy, that he was the perfect fit. This was the move they needed to make. I, I, to me, this was such a no-brainer. I didn't even consider guys like Chase Daniel or Marcus Mariota or anybody else that, that really could have possibly come in here as a backup. It was always Case Keenum for so many different reasons, not the least of which is the fact that uh, he went 11-3 and 3 
for when Kevin Stefanski was his quarterback's coach in 2017, uh, took the Minnesota Vikings to the playoffs, knows the system, knows how to prepare, can step in and win games if he needs to, uh, you know, really good guy, and just exactly what they're looking for in that quarterback room, which they wanted a different vibe in there. They want this to be a, a great atmosphere, uh, one of some mentoring, some teaching Baker, you know, just how to be a better pro, and also to help implement Kevin's system and his way of doing things. Yeah, I mean, the, the backup quarterback is, is important um, to sort of be that extra coach, to, to be that guy in that room who uh, it's, it's his job to get the starter ready to play. And Baker Mayfield, I think, was lacking that a little bit last year. You know, Drew Stanton got hurt early and, and kind of just became a, a pseudo coach. And Garrett Gilbert came out from the AAF and, you know, he's not really a guy who, who's going to get a young quarterback ready to play each and every week. And, and Case Keenum gives the Browns that ability, uh, a guy that, like you said, Mary Kay, knows Kevin Stefanski well, uh, understands his system and what he wants to do, is going to be able to get Baker Mayfield ready to go every week. And look, if he's needed, Case Keenum can come in and play a little bit. You know, it, it's the worst case scenario. You want Baker Mayfield to be successful and stay healthy and, and lead this team to wins. But if for some reason they need to turn to Case Keenum, you, know, you can count on him for a few weeks if you need him. Yeah, I, I agree with both those things, Mary Kay, Dan. One thing that I want listeners to understand about Case Keenum is I think we need to throw out his past two years since he has left the Vikings and then people will say, well, what about his years before the Vikings? And you're really just judging a guy based on one year. Quite frankly, I, I kind of am. Look, being in Minnesota, I watched Case Keenum closely, and the run he went on is is still memorable to this day, of course. It was capped by the Minneapolis miracle. Um, Keenum wasn't mm-hmm. supposed to be that guy for the Vikings. He really had every opportunity to lose his job. Mike Zimmer never really fully believed in him. Uh, that was the year Teddy Bridgewater was supposed to be the guy and was actually in line for a, a mega extension before the freak knee injury. And then he pulls off or, or Rick Spielman pulls off that trade for Sam Bradford with the Eagles. I think it was a first and a fourth round pick. And then Sam Bradford, as he usually does, fails to stay healthy. And he actually came back. I, he was hurt in week one, came back in like week three or something like that and was a shell of himself and Keenan entered and, Rallied the Vikings, uh, beat the Chicago Bears, I believe, and then went on went on a run. And even throughout that year, I remember Zimmer being noncommittal uh, to Case Keenum. Even wrote about it a little bit in his book. How it was uncomfortable a little bit that Zimmer never committed to him. So the reason I share all these things is I think it says a lot about a football player's character when even when the head coach isn't all in on you, it, it doesn't matter. You take your opportunity, you make the most of it. And this is a guy who set records in college. I, I read that he finished seventh in Heisman voting in like two thousand that been like 14 15 whenever his senior year would have been that, that's an impressive stat right there in itself I giggled a little bit so look Keenum is not coming in here to to take the job from Baker Mayfield but if he is asked to do so basically you know alluding to a Baker Mayfield injury or something like that Mayfield was uh, fortunately lucky and staying healthy all 16 games that's not the norm in the NFL of course if Keenum's asked to win a few games next year for the Browns I think I think he'll be more than capable in doing so. Um, all right, so we've rehashed really all the signings. I know there was one fullback acquisition in there that we can address. Is Before we get into moves that may happen going down, um, is there anything we want to clean up here in the moves that have happened in, in some of these signings and trades? Well, one thing that I think uh, to remember when you're looking at Austin Hooper, you, you mentioned the fact that he doesn't drop passes. That was one of the things – one of the problems with David Njoku is that he's been inconsistent in catching the football. And so I think that with Hooper, this, this gives them a reliable receiver. Uh, and I think it's going to help David realize he's got to pick up his game in that regard, get on the jugs machine, do whatever he has to do uh, to become equally reliable. Yeah, th- this is a huge year for David Njoku. He's, he's going into year four. Uh, the Browns, of course, have to decide on his fifth-year option here uh, in, before early May. I would assume they would pick that up because it's only guaranteed for injury at this point. He doesn't fall under the the new CBA rules that would, um, I don't believe he does fall under the new CBA rules that would uh, guarantee it automatically. So, you know, the Browns would still have options with him if they decided to pick up that fifth year option. 
you know, this is a huge year. He's got to prove that, that he can be productive in the NFL and he can make we, – we've seen him make tough catches in the red zone and, and drop easy ones in between, in between the 20s. And, and he's got to prove that he can be a reliable target for his quarterback or, you know, this team is going to have to, to make some tough decisions on him. So uh, a huge year for David Njoku, and he's going to get lots of opportunities. Yeah, piggybacking off that, Dan, something tells me Stefanski in this regime – they're not going to have a long leash when it comes to drop passes, regardless of who they're from. And especially a guy like Njoku who has slowly built a reputation of not being sure handed. They're going to put the best players out there that will execute their scheme, a, a drop on a, a six yard drop uh, on a, on a second and four or a, a four yard drop on a first and 10 though. Those aren't catastrophic. Like some of the red zone drops, the Browns faced this past year at the position, they still hurt drives and when you're talking about scheme and scripted plays and execution those all add up and if Ninjoku can't get the job done with his hands that athletic build is only going to last him so long and I, I could see other tight ends on this roster moving in front of him oh, I'm glad you brought that up Mary Kay that it's a, it's a great point that really this move is kind of all eyes on Ninjoku now um, he'll get the opportunity in these two tight end sets uh, but I'm afraid I, I worry the leash won't be that long considering his history and the attention to detail Stefanski craves in his offense. Let's talk a little bit about some, the other side of the ball. Now we've really addressed the offense and that's exactly what the Browns did uh, in the, these first days of the legal tampering period for agency, whatever you want to call it. Um, Mary Kay, you reported yesterday that the Browns are in pursuit of Vikings safety, Anthony Harris. Uh, the Vikings placed a franchise tag on him to some surprise, but they were able to rework Kirk Cousins, contract with an extension which freed up some cash for this year for them to slap the tag on Anthony Harris um, the connection of course with Stefanski in Minnesota and Harris uh, playing in Minnesota makes perfect sense Mary Kate what's the latest you're hearing on the front of the Browns pursuit of Anthony Harris well I, I heard yesterday that they were at least exploring a trade for Anthony Harris and of course you would have to do that I mean the minute that you find out that he's been franchised with the idea of possibly trading him that is a phone call the Browns have to make. So they have been in conversations. Now, there are other factors to consider with this. First of all, you'd have to give up a draft pick for him or a draft pick and players. And, uh, and that means that uh, I was told yesterday that they are going to want at least a third-round pick, probably a second. That's, I think, too high for the Browns. So if it's going to be a third, they're probably going to have to throw in a player or another pick or something like that. I, I, I really don't know uh, what the Vikings would accept from a compensation standpoint. But then you've got to talk about money. And the Browns would have to decide how much money they want to pay Anthony Harris. And he's going to want – he's not going to get uh, a top-of-the-line safety contract, the ilk of what, we, what we've seen over the last 12 months. He's not going to get the – $13 million a year, the $14 million a year that we've seen. But he's probably going to want double-digit millions. At least he, that is, you know, I'm sure uh, what he's looking for. So the Browns would have to decide if they want to pay that kind of money. And um, at this point, I think it's all too rich for their blood. Uh, so I don't see this happening right now. Uh, but it definitely is something that they have looked into and will continue to do so. Dan, do you think the Browns stay aggressive here and, and go get Anthony Harrison in a trade? What, what are your thoughts on that? Well, I, you know, I put him on my list of, uh, of safeties when I, I kind of put together some names to keep in mind, and including Trey Boston about an hour before he re-signed with Carolina. Uh, that's the, the nature of free agency. Uh, but, you know, as I kind of looked at that, going along with what Mary Kay said, the Browns don't have – an excess of draft picks this year. You know, they do have two third rounders. They have the one they got from Houston for Duke Johnson, but uh, they don't have an excess of draft picks. They don't have very many. I think they have three day three draft picks right now. I'd have to look that back up again, but it's not a big number. number. So I, I'm not sure how much they would actually want, be willing to part with if they had to give up draft picks. If, if it were just a third rounder, maybe they would be willing to give up that extra pick, but um, yeah, you know, I, I would stay aggressive. I'd, I'd see what I could do to get Anthony Harris here. But, you know, there might be some other options, too, that pop up as this offseason goes along. Yeah, Dan, I'm glad you said that. Uh, of those other options, I, I want to mention Eric Reed uh, earlier today. Uh, he was cut by the Panthers. Uh, Mary Kay, I know you're on top of this one also. I'm wondering, is this a, is this a Malcolm, more of a Malcolm Jenkins situation where, okay, cut by their team and you just throw the Browns out there because they're – 
in need, but there's not actually a real connection? Or do you think Eric Reed and the, and the Browns could, could make sense here? Well, you know what? You never really know in a situation like this. Yep. So what you do is you start checking into it. And this happened, uh, you know, pretty recently, not long before we got on this podcast. So I haven't really had enough time to really dig into it. I have tried, but I don't really have any good handle yet on whether or not they would be interested in Eric Reed. But, you know, he's 28 years old. Uh, he's a, a former pro bowler, former first round pick. Uh, so, you know, I would think that he's at least somebody that they will consider because, again, right now they have to consider everybody uh, that becomes available to try to bolster this defense. Yep. Uh, Dan, I, I'm piggybacking off that. Were you uh, in the mix there? I, I, I know some of us, uh, uh, Doug Maurice wrote about Malcolm Jenkins uh, earlier. Were, were you hoping that was a name that could fit? And does that fall along with Eric Reed? Are these now, obviously, with Jenkins, not an option, but are these names you think that would work with the Browns? Um, and if not, are the Browns kind of in a wait and see mode here? I, I, th I think the Browns, like I said, I think they need to continue to be aggressive at safety because right now they don't really have a true safety option on the roster unless somehow they've fallen in love with Sheldrick Redwine as, as they're starting strong safety. Uh, you know, they need to add bodies. And, and I think Eric Reed, a guy who he's 28 years old, you know, that's, I, I wouldn't see this team necessarily going out and giving big money to older players, but I think Eric Reed is kind of right in that wheelhouse of, of a guy that maybe you'd take a look at and want to bring in. Uh, you know, they've, they've got to kind of just throw bodies at that position and, and see how it shakes out. So uh, adding a veteran like Reed would certainly help this roster because they, they need safeties in a bad way. Yep. Yep. I, I agree with all that. And we're going to get into on the, on the second half, the back end of the show here, uh, maybe some other names and just really how the Browns are going to address their defensive holes now as a whole. So listeners, we're going to take a quick break. We're going to come back with our around the league se segment. Of course, a lot going on around the NFL. And then we're going to take football insider questions. So don't go anywhere. Hello, everyone. This is Mary Kay. Let me tell you a little bit about our Browns football insider. How does it work? Well, me, Dan, Scott, and Ellis will text you a few times a day with the inside scoop and analysis on the Browns, what we're hearing, give you the inside word before things happen. We text you breaking news first, even before it's up on cleveland.com. Each day, we'll have a Football Insider newsletter uh, with tips, a video, a stat breakdown on the Browns each day, along with what's going on around the league. One of the coolest things is that you'll be able to text us or me directly. It's a great way to cut through the clutter of Facebook, Twitter, other social media, and avoid the trolls. It's also the only way to get your questions on the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. Now, why should you sign up? Well, first of all, you can have a 14-day free trial, and you can cancel anytime. All it takes is one text, but we're pretty sure that you won't want to cancel. We have hundreds of subscribers join over the last year. They love it. They've stayed with us, and we're getting great feedback. We're seeing the Football Insider community grow every week. It's only $3.99 a month, which is less than 14 cents a day. Special perks at events, like our NFL Draft Preview in April, uh, are available only to you, and we'll have more later on that. What I like most about Football Insider is the, the chance to connect with you directly. You can ask me a question, and I will get back to you, and it only goes to your phone. How can you become a Football Insider? It's a perfect time to join us as we count down to the NFL Draft. Click on cleveland.com slash browns, the blue banner at the top, or easier yet, text me at 216-208-3965. Again, that's 216-208-3965. Hello and welcome back to the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. My name is Ellis Williams and I'm joined by fellow Browns beat writers Dan Lobby and Mary Kay Cabot. Though the Browns were busy on Monday, so was the rest of the league. So we're going to hop into our Around the League segment and talk about a few moves. You know, Tom Brady announced he was leaving the Patriots for Tampa Bay. DeAndre Hopkins was traded to the desert and Phillip Rivers is headed to Indy. So there's been a lot of moves and I'm sure as time goes on, we'll have more time and opportunity to discuss these further on later podcasts but 
right off the bat, I just want to ask what movie you guys were most surprised of. Um, you know, Mary Kay, as we've talked about, you being the, the OG of this podcast, if you will. Um, you've seen almost everything in this league, uh, but now Tom Brady's a, a Tampa Bay Buccaneer. So first I want to ask you, did you ever imagine that a player of Tom Brady's stature would join the, the franchise with literally the lowest winning percentage in the NFL history? Just your initial reaction to the Tom Brady news. You know, I actually thought that he would, would end up in L.A. He just seems like more of an L.A. kind of a guy. I thought it was sort of setting up for that. I could just see Tom and Giselle out in L.A. getting involved in the movie business. And that is what kept going through my mind. So maybe the money didn't come through. I'm not exactly sure what happened there. I am a little surprised that he ended up in Tampa Bay. Yeah, I just really didn't see that coming. So... It'll be interesting to see how this goes. He does have some weapons there. Uh, it, it really did seem like it was setting up all the way along for him not to be back in New England. So I'm not overly surprised about that, uh, but I am surprised about the destination. Yeah, Dan, this feels like one of those moments where, like, when you're, you're younger or your kids or something were playing Madden and you do the, the, the fantasy draft and you just have all the players go to random teams and, and Tom Brady ends up on the Bucks. Um, what was your reaction to this? And does it feel as fantasy draft-ish as, as the, the vibes I'm getting from it? You know, I, I thought L.A. would be an option, too, to, to go to the Chargers. But, yeah, obviously, that's, it, it sounded like his family considerations were, uh, were important. He wanted to stay on the East Coast. He wanted to stay in a place where he didn't have to, to maybe even move his family necessarily. So, uh, you know, I think that that played into all of this. And for whatever reason, he was ready to move on from New England and, and part ways with Bill Belichick. And I'm curious to see what he looks like in that offense now with, with all of those weapons there. If he's, you know, anywhere close to, you know, he's not going to be in his prime Tom Brady, but if he's anywhere close to, uh, you know, the Tom Brady we've seen really before this last year, that Tampa offense might end up being one of the best in football. Yeah, I'm I'm all in on that, Dan. and whatever maybe I'm guilty of drinking the the play at Tom Kool-Aid too much and many of my friends know that's the truth but I think this is a perfect match uh I've been reading on Twitter like oh you know Mike Evans wants to stretch the field Tom Brady can't do that go watch the tape Tom Brady's deep balls just fine he's going to be hitting Mike Evans if Ryan Fitzpatrick could still do it you got nothing to worry about with Tom Brady uh Chris Godwin's going to be one of, if not the best slot receiver Brady's ever played with. And that's saying a heck of a lot considering the New England Patriots basically invented the modern slot receiver. Uh, Chris Godwin is one of the coldest route runners in football. He knows exactly where he's supposed to be. Zone man, he's going to beat you. And he went with his mind too. the exact type of receiver Brady has flourished with, whether it's Wes Welker, Julian Edelman, Deion Branch, Troy Brown, the list goes on. And then you can, there's, you got to make a Randy Moss, Mike Evans comp here. Of course, no one is Randy Moss. I'm going to be the first, maybe the second, some of my buddies here to tell you that. There's no, there's no one like Randy Moss. But Mike Evans, physically, speed-wise, athletically, he comps. And lastly, I got to just commend Tom Brady for this move. We keep, As you two said, you mentioned L.A. You think of his new production company. He could pull LeBron and go out there and you know enter the moguls part of his career. But it seems like he really just made a football decision here. He, he's with a, a creative, innovative offensive coach in Bruce Arians, an up-and-coming offensive coordinator in Brian Leftwich, and the receivers I just mentioned. Uh, O.J. Howard is a, a tight end with some athletic skills that hasn't been unlocked yet. And he just made a football decision here. There's nothing glamorous about Tampa, no disrespect, but you, it's not L.A., of course. Um, this is going to be exciting. And when, when life gets back to normal in the NFL, is kicking off and hopefully on time in week one. It's going to be a fun time for the league to see Tom Brady in a different uniform throwing the, these type of weapons. Um, so, as I said, Tom Brady, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, it's not the only surprising move. We also got a trade. DeAndre Hopkins is headed to Arizona. When you guys saw that push notification come across your phone as we all consume news in 2020 that way, it seems like. Uh, where did your mind go, Mary Kay? We can start with you. Well, I was surprised about that one. I mean, you know uh, that Deshaun Watson loves throwing the ball to, to DeAndre Hopkins. He's obviously one of the best in the league. I, I was pretty surprised about that. And now uh, the more that we 
hear and see come out that there were extenuating circumstances, that he had a strained relationship with Bill O'Brien, that those guys had some issues going on, which explains it. And, uh, you know, and and Bill O'Brien doesn't, he doesn't suffer those kinds of situations. He's, He's not going to do that. So, you know, that it's, I think it's unfortunate to break up uh, the Watson to, to Hopkins battery there. I, I'm sort of disappointed about that. I think it's great uh, for the NFL, what they do together. Uh, so entertaining and productive. Um, but I mean, this is, this is what happens when you have personality conflict. I, I remember, you know, going back to the Odell Beckham trade, I, I remember when that all went down, uh, we, we kind of saw the return on that. And we were kind of like, wait, that's all the Browns had to give up? You know, and they yeah. ended up giving up a first-round pick, Jabril Peppers. You know, it ended up getting mixed into the Olivier Vernon trade in the end. But I remember kind of being a little surprised, not at how little it took. I mean, the Browns gave up significant things, but I thought it would be more. And then you look at this trade. I mean, DeAndre Hopkins, depending on who you ask, is the, might be the best receiver in football. <laughs> and a second round pick and David Johnson and what was it like a fourth round pick swap, something like that. Yeah. yeah. The, yeah. the return on this, the return on this was really surprising. Um, that, that that's all the Texans got if they were ready to move on from Deandre Hopkins. Yeah. And good for Hopkins who started his NFL career with a, a pretty shaky quarterback situation. One Andre Johnson formerly uh, and the legendary Andre Johnson knows all about, uh, you know, just off the top of my head, the, the Matt Chobbs and Tom Savages of the world. Uh, he now goes from, Deshaun Watson to Kyler Murray that that's going to be a fun connection to watch and one that is an aggressive move by the Cardinals that really that whole NFC West is becoming one of the more impressive divisions in football um, a few other moves we got a lot of football insider questions uh, to get to so I want to I want to get to them but of course there were many other moves in the league whether it's Philip Rivers to the Colts or uh, Stefan Diggs to the Bills Mary Kay I know um, with you and how you watch and appreciate Josh Allen's game. Um, that's got to be exciting to see Allen add another weapon. Were there any other moves moves that stood out or, or that you guys want to share when you saw those? Like, wow, okay, the, the league's really changing here. What, what stood out to you guys? I did think about that one. Uh, I, I did think, you know, that, that Josh Allen made some strides last year, but he just really didn't have the weapons that he needed to kind of take his game to the next level. He was rated lower than uh, Baker Mayfield on pro football focus premium stats uh, even though you know he had a whatever record it was I don't even know 10 and 6 or something like that um, but so yeah um, I think that was a great great move for them that's what you have to do with these quarterbacks I mean you have to surround them with talent which is exactly what the Browns have done and are doing with Baker Mayfield so that was one that really stood out I, I think I, I like the uh, Philip Rivers to the Colts move. I, I don't know what Philip Rivers has left in the tank. There were some signs last year that maybe uh, not much. But, you know, I kind of like the Colts getting after it a little bit and deciding that, you know, sticking with Jacoby Brissett wasn't going to be enough for them. They wanted to go get a, a bigger name and uh, try and try and make a run. I know Chris Ballard has been building that thing out here for a little while now. So I, I like seeing the Colts kind of go after it. And I hope Philip Rivers – uh, looks like the Philip Rivers that uh, of old, as opposed to maybe, you know, some of the. It looked like maybe it lost a little zip on that fastball last year, so maybe uh, maybe it'll look a little better this year in, in Indianapolis. Yeah, Dan, I'm glad you mentioned Philip Rivers. It, it makes me think of uh, Jacoby Brissett, and I, quickly, I want to ask you to just uh, top of your head, gut. Um, how do you think the Patriots address now replacing Tom Brady again? These are all topics we're going to have plenty of time to get into in more detail in later podcasts, I'm sure, but. Could we see a Brissett move? Do we see Andy Dalton? Just do you, how do you guys see the Patriots in the mastermind that is Bill Belichick, Mary Kay, who you uh, covered earlier in your career? Uh, how do you see them addressing the, Patri- the Patriots in their quarterback situation now? I could see Andy Dalton, and I, I've heard uh, talk along those lines. I could see that. I mean, and, and Brissett, they didn't really, really want to give him up when they did anyway. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, he's somebody that they could bring back there. Uh, there, there are some options. It's really going to be very, very interesting to see how, uh, you know, how Belichick and Brady do without each other in their respective teams and their respective cities. Everybody's been wondering this for a long time. But, I mean, the, the Patriots, they have to have a good quarterback like every other team in the NFL. So uh, I, I think I would pr- probably pursue Andy Dalton. 
yeah, I don't know if I have a name to, to throw out there. Dalton obviously seems like one. Nick Foles just went to Chicago. so Breaking news um, on the podcast. Great, <laughs> You are right all that day. And I'm trying to read my Twitter notifications as it's happening. It, it, that's, yep, that's one more body on the move. So obviously he's, he's on the way out. I don't know if Cam Newton would end up being an option there or, or something like that. But, um, you know, I'm, I'm kind of curious to see how Bill Belichick, the, the mad genius, and, and Josh McDaniel sort of approach this wide open quarterback situation now uh, and, and who they kind of think can come in and, and run their system and how they sort of view the quarterback position without Tom Brady. Uh, I, I, th- I think it's going to be really interesting to watch. Yeah, and those are that's another name, Dan, that we we didn't get to. Cam Newton, clearly, likely no longer in Carolina. Teddy Bridgewater now there. This quarterback carousel, Mary Kay, you and I talked about it last week on the podcast, trying to do the, the quarterback roulette, and it's these musical chairs um, aren't stopping anytime soon. And again, at, at later podcast, I'm sure we'll have more time to go in depth on some of these moves. But we're gonna pivot from around the league and home back in on local. Cleveland questions. These are our football insider questions that you can only send to us if you are a football insider subscriber. And that is how you get your questions directly onto this podcast. So when I open the window for questions, it's about an hour, 90 minute window. If you send them, I try to get all of them on the the podcast. And I think we were successful here. We've got about like 15 questions to get through. So bear with us. We're just going to rapid fire these and having Dan, Mary Kay, or myself answer. Some of them are repetitive, but you guys did a good job of somehow with some variance, despite obviously not knowing who's sending what. So let's just start with this first one from the 732 asking, well, first saying, good start to free agency. How will they address the needs on defense and free agency? Now, again, we addressed some of this off the top, but when you guys hear that, how do you think the Browns go forward addressing all the holes on defense? I actually hope that they somehow find a way to make that Anthony Harris trade. I think that uh, that's the kind of player that they need. Uh, Short of that, I I think they'll fill in with some holes with some of the second wave of free agents that are still available. There are not a lot left, uh, but I will think that they'd either try to make a trade or, you know, just kind of find some pieces, not necessarily big, huge names. And then they're going to hit defense hard in the draft after that number 10 pick, I think you're going to see them come back and try to restock their defense. Yeah, they're going to, they're going to have to go defense heavy in the draft. Of course, you know, that that's a little wrench in there as they still need to find their left tackle, but uh, at the very least you've addressed most of your needs offensively. Now you got to go out and and kind of address what you need to address on the defensive side. And really, if if, if you kind of look at it, you need safeties, right? We know that you, you hope that Denzel Ward and Greedy Williams can be your, your long-term corners of the future. We've seen it with Denzel. We, we still need to see a little bit with Greedy Williams. You've got Miles Garrett, so if you can kind of, you know, beef up your pass rush a little bit there, that helps. And, and then linebacker, you know, I, I don't know what they're going to do there now with Joe Schobert gone and, and how they view that position. But I, I think they can still address this defense pretty heavily in the draft and also – Again, as we go through this, guys are going to become available. Uh, I, I would love to see them go get Anthony Harris, too, if they're unable to do that. I, I do think we'll see some, some secondary names become available as teams make decisions after the draft based on who they pick and, you know, as guys get cut, traded, moved, whatever happens. This next question, I don't know where I land. I wonder if you two feel strongly either way about it. It comes from the 216 asking, where are you more concerned, with the lack of safeties or the lack of linebackers available? Uh, you know what? That's a good question. I almost think it's equal. I, I think that they need to add one or two good safeties. I think they need to add one or two or maybe even more good linebackers. I, I think they need both. I think that, that this defense has major holes on it and, and that they need really need to get to work I don't know whether it's make some trades or whatever it is, but I really think that they need to. Uh, Andrew needs to be aggressive in acquiring defensive players right now. Yeah, I think the safety position is probably the more important position if we're going to talk about positional value. But, yeah, they, they need to make sure that they address both positions. Um, you know, you can probably come back with Mac Wilson in the mix somewhere, but – you know, I, I still don't know where he is as a player. If he can be your every down, I'm going to play every single snap, you know, Mike linebacker, like, uh, like Joe Schobert was, that, that's a big ask for him. 
uh, based on what we saw last year. I think he's a good player, but I still think he's a little bit raw. So uh, you throw him into the fire, there, there's some risk involved there. But, uh, you know, they, I, I would prioritize safety, but they absolutely need to get the linebackers' uh, positions uh, situated. Yep. Brett from 440 asks a, a question that we, we, we've kind of already got, but I wanted to address the back end of it. He asks, please explain how the Browns will deal with linebacker safety and nickel. We've touched on that a little bit, but I want to – focus on the nickel situation uh eric berry um signed with it off the top of my head was that, was that the texans from going through these reports right it, yeah yeah okay so eric murray's off um the market of course spending a, a year in cleveland when he was available before his knee injury he he, he was a, a handy guy to have there um as a nickel corner and a safety just a real uh, talented guy who could who could play everywhere you know his size and overpower anyone but he he was valuable out there. That ship has sailed. Um, any thoughts on the Murray signing or just the nickel corner situation in general, you two? You know, I, I'm not exactly sure who would be um, their their nickel back right now. I don't think that they have identified that person per se or necessarily have him on their roster. So that's definitely a position of need. Yeah, it's a, it's a really important position uh, in today's NFL. And one of the names that I had kind of circled in free agency was Brian Poole. But as we're recording this, he's going back to the Jets. So so he's off the table. Um, you know, they, they can address this in a number of ways. Maybe they find a safety that, that can sort of be a, a hybrid nickel. You know, I don't know if uh, HaHa Clinton Dix is going to leave Chicago or not, but he's a guy who was a safety. But, you know, I was looking at him yesterday. He's played a little nickel too. So you know, they might address it in sort of that hybrid way as well. Uh, but, but that's an important position they need to get filled. This isn't a football question, but it's an important one from the 330, and I will handle it here, asking simply, how do I get the podcast? And look, that, that is my bad. If, if we have not done a, a well enough job of informing you how to get the podcast quickly, uh, Spotify, uh, Apple, wherever you get your podcasts, simply search Orange and Brown Talk podcast, it'll pop right up for you, or you can visit cleveland.com slash podcast where we're listed with the other great podcasts that we provide for you guys. So those are the two best ways to get the podcast. Hey, we appreciate the question. I'll, I'll be texting you directly again to, to clear that up. But just for the listeners, well, if you're listening, you know how to get the podcast. But if a friend or someone uh, is wondering, spread the love, share those details. That is how you get the podcast. All right, next question from the 567. Have you heard or do you see the Browns making one more big splash move before the draft, like trading for Trent Williams or getting Chris Harris Jr. or trading up to get, say, Isaiah Thomas – or, sorry, Isaiah Simmons if, we, if they already have the blindside backer in place then? So, Mary Kay, any, are you hearing anything on, a, on a, any more big splash moves or trades? Possibly, of course, we've been talking about Harris, but anything else around those lines? Uh, yeah, I think Andrew's got at least one more sort of biggish name move in him before the draft. I don't know what it's going to be yet. Uh, I know he's working feverishly on a number of things, you know, right now. So I don't know if, if one of these will pan out. I don't know if uh, they will end up working out something with a Trent Williams or someone. Of course, you know, if they did do something like that, you know, maybe that does open up the possibility of an Isaiah Simmons, who I, I think that they really could use on this defense. We've all talked about that before. Um, so yeah, I think he's got one more big move up his sleeve yeah Dan thoughts on him one more big move I mean it's been pretty clear when when he said he was going to be aggressive he meant it and uh you know I think they're going to continue to try and uh, fill as many of these holes as possible and the reality is I you know this is a team that wants to start winning football games this isn't some you know three-year build or five-year build or anything like that they, they want to start winning football games and uh, that, that means they're going to have to go out and, and be aggressive and continue to try and take these you know again Going back to Anthony Harris, take those chances to try and fill some of these roster holes. Yep. Uh, next to these questions, I'm, I'm just going to read what we've addressed. But I, as I said, I want to do my best. If you ask it, I want to at least get your question read on the podcast. Um, from the 916, with Schobert and Kirksey gone, how are they looking to fill linebacker vacancies since the Raiders took Littleton? I think that's a great point. Some of these linebackers are coming off the market. And you can kind of tell where the Browns have prioritized their money and their aggressiveness. They were, they're going to let – um, linebacker, they're going to take a little bit on that, obviously with not bringing back Schroeder or Kirksey and then not being aggressive on a guy like Littleton and addressing um, other positions. So 
do we know the names exactly? No, of course not yet. That's the name of the game. But I think we're seeing by itself the priority of this new Browns regime. Next question from the 216 after left tackle. At number 10 in the draft, what positions will the Browns address? We, we've hashed this out on the podcast a few times and even um, in previous podcasts or stories. It, it's the obvious positions in need. Um, safety, linebacker, like we've been saying. You know, they don't need a tight end anymore. Perhaps a nickel corner, as we've been saying. Um, maybe they do find another tight end. You never know, but it, it's those positions we've, we've been addressing. Th- those haven't changed, really, despite the aggressive, aggressiveness. The holes were so big that even though they signed – an offensive lineman, they still need to stay aggressive. Uh, same with tight end uh, and, and whatnot going forward. Uh, this next one from SL Smith in Dallas. With all the offensive acquisitions, is there going to be a problem filling the needed defensive positions, linebacker safety? Same type of stuff here. It remains to be wait and see, but we anticipate Andrew Berry remaining aggressive as he has started his regime or his uh, campaign here. All right, this one, uh, uh, one you guys can hop in on. Chris from Chicago, uh, I, I like this question. He asked, does it seem like free agents are more willing to come to Cleveland since the talent level has improved and they seem like a legitimate playoff contender if they can shore up the defense? Mary Kay, you and I talked on the last podcast about you know, how the Browns land, if they can land free agents. Just in the grand scheme of the Browns and their history, do you think these um, – two big signings, and then even looking a year ago into the acquisition of Odell Beckham Jr., do you think the Browns are building positive momentum within the league and showing the league and players that they are a home and a suitor for big names? Well, I think one of the things that really helps is to have a quarterback. And I think even though Baker Mayfield had a bad year last year, I think he is still perceived around the league by players and opposing coaches as a really good quarterback. And to hear Austin Hooper, who went on the radio the other day uh, and did an interview, he talked about how excited he was about all this talent on the Browns and how much he believes in Baker Mayfield. So I think that helps. Everyone knows you have to have that to win, and I think that that's a selling point. Yeah, yeah, I think it it definitely helps to have, uh, you know, to know you're coming to play somewhere where, you know, it's going to be a modern-looking offense. You're going to have an opportunity to get the football. You're going to have an opportunity to maybe win some games, even though this team hasn't won. You know, you see the talent and the potential there to maybe be part of an exciting offense. You also get a lot of money. The Browns have a lot of money to spend. And that's always a very enticing thing as well to any any free agent. Yep. All right, next question. Coming from Dave in Waterville. Uh, addresses me specifically, so I'll take this one, I guess. Dave says, hi, Ellis. How deep is this year's draft of safeties, and what rounds will there be potential starters? So it's a it's a fairly I wouldn't say it's a it's a deep class historically, but there are some some solid uh, names and prospects uh, through rounds one through three, I'd say, and that's typically where you find your starters in the NFL. You know, if, if you can hit on a a fourth, fifth, sixth round pick, wonderful. You, you, someone scouts in other rooms weren't doing their job and, and you hit the jackpot but traditionally rounds one through three you draft those guys to come in and start um assuming the browns go uh tackle at pick 10 or don't get creative or crazy trading around they're gonna miss out on guys like alabama's uh xavier mckinney and lsu's grant tilbit those guys are have like round one grades or early second round grades the, the name at safety the three names i would focus on for Browns fans, uh, the first one, Kyle Duggar, and I remember reading that last name brings me back to the podcast we did wrapping up the combine. Me, Dan, and uh, Scott Pasco, we he had just talked, and we were unsure on the pronunciation, so we're just going to keep going with Duggar till I uh, do some research on that. He's a, a NCAA Division two prospect, but really impressed at the combine. I he's one of these hybrid safeties that can go everywhere. He's of course not your Isaiah Simmons type of athlete, but he impresses in that matter. And then there's two other safeties, uh, more traditional free safeties if the Browns want to go there because not to get into a whole rant about scheme, but it, it really depends on what Joe Woods wants to run. Uh, and then you find the safety that fits that scheme. So Duggar being a more hybrid, roll him down, uh, even rush him sometimes safety. Or if he wants to be more traditional uh, three deep uh, type of cover three defense, then you're looking at Ashton Davis out of Cal uh, the kid flies. He's a, a track sprint champion in hurdles. Uh, smaller build, you know, like a 6'1", 
110, I think, and that's that's probably generous. The playing weight there is probably closer to 200. But, uh, the, again, the kid can fly, traditional uh, center fielder, if you will. And then another one is Anton Winfield Jr. I've said his name a few times, uh, Minnesota Golden Gopher. Similar to Davis, except he's, he's shorter, um, like his father before him. That isn't, doesn't stop him from making plays on the football field. He high points the ball, jumps out of the gym, and he's another – uh, safety valve in center field there at free safety. Those guys have second and third round grades. Uh, so Dave and Waterville, those are the names to keep an eye on. If the Browns don't address safety in rounds one, two, three, and maybe one of those guys falls to four possibly, but it's, it's tough to find starters in this league um, any later than that. All right. This next question coming from the three, three, Oh, similar to what we've been getting, but there are many top safeties in this draft along with offensive tackle. Can you select starters in the first two rounds? Very similar to what Dave just asked. So um, without repeating myself, same thing, first through fourth round, where you usually find your starters. We're wrapping up here. Um, one of our last questions from the 773 brings Anthony Harris back into the mix, asking, is there any thought of adding Odell Beckham Jr. to the Anthony Harris pursuit in trade? The Vikings just lost Stefan Diggs, and the morale of addition by subtraction of OG, OBJ could really help the Browns first time head coach here. What do you guys think? You know what? I, I just don't see them trading o Odell Beckham Jr. I, I really don't see it. I think if anything like that was going to happen, we would have heard about it by now. I think there are a lot of wide receivers in this draft class. And I think that teams see that if they really have a need for a wide receiver that they, um, you know, that they can probably find one in the draft without having to give up too much or pay too much for him. Uh, so at this point, I'm going to say no. And just, just from the Vikings standpoint, it seems like with, with Stefan Diggs, you know, super talented wide receiver, uh, had some tendencies to, you know, call out his quarterback or uh, cause some distractions every now and again with some tweets. I, I know when he tweeted out right before he got traded, I, I looked at the responses and everybody was saying, oh, you do this every, every like few months, something big's going to happen or whatever. And then you tweet that you're happy next time. So I don't know if Minnesota wants to take on a lot of uh, a lot of drama at that position. And as talented as Odell Beckham Jr. is, you you do have to live with a certain level of drama uh, that comes with him. Yep i I had a friend texting about OBJ and Harris, um, and and the Football Insiders are asking about it. So somewhere there's some some buzz and some fan circles there with the possibility. But but I agree. I don't think it's a match for Minnesota and Mary Kay, as you said. Uh, Beckham seems set in Cleveland, um, at least for, you know, we'll see how the, the first half of this uh, stint with Kevin Stefanski goes. We got one more question uh, submitted from Ellis Williams of Cleveland.com, believe it or not. <laughs> he wants to ask Dan and Mary Kay, what is going on with Olivia Vernon? We have just been speculating that he would be cut and that has not happened yet. Um, Mary Kay, have you heard anything? What's your gut telling you? Just any update on this Olivia Vernon situation? No, I keep waiting uh, for something to happen because when you know that the $15.25 million is not guaranteed for, for next year, you know, I just can't see them shelling that out for, for Olivier. So I don't know what's going on there. I don't know if he's been, you know, part of trade talks with anyone. I don't know if they're trying to restructure him. I, I really don't know yet what's going on. That is, has been one of the mysteries so far of this free agency period. Dan, what's your gut telling you on this situation? The, the longer it goes, obviously, I, I guess the, the more and more likely it seems that maybe we'll see Olivia Vernon. I don't know. I, I mean, there's a part of me that just says, ah, it's 15 million bucks for a year. Why not pay it? But then, of course, you know, he's one of your highest paid players. And, and that, yep. that does something in a locker room, right? Like, like that guy has to be one of your best players. And so, uh, you know, we'll see how this plays out. I don't, I don't think there's any real rush on, uh, on making a decision here. And like Mary Kay said, maybe they're looking to trade him. Maybe they're seeing if they can get something for him. Yeah, every now and again, something sneaky comes out right around the start of the new league year. So, uh, you know, we'll, we'll keep an eye on all of that as, as we go along here. Yep, yep. I hear all that. All right. Hey, listeners, we've been going for about an hour here. Uh, Dan, Mary Kay, I know there's been so much going on. Um, it's a lot we touched on a lot. We just didn't have time to time to do, um, any last notes, anything you guys want to clean up before we get out of here? You know, I think there'll be a second wave of free agency. I think, you know, once the big names fly off the shelves, uh, then you've got that second tier 
And I think the Browns will add uh, at least two more players in the second tier. Yeah, I think it's just important to remember as these off seasons go along, you know, we, we kind of, especially now, because there's nothing else happening. We're so focused on what's going on right now in these first few days, but it's a long off season and, and we're a long ways from this roster uh, getting to 53 at the beginning of September. So a, a lot is going to change between now and then, even if it doesn't happen right now, there's still a lot of things to happen, including the draft, uh, including training camp, you know, who knows what's going to be happening in July, but as of right now, it, it you know, we're planning on training camp happening as normal. We'll see. Uh, and, and then, you know, we're a long ways from this roster being a finished product. Yeah. Right on Dan. Um, and on that note, we'll wrap up uh, as we said at the top listeners, we hope we were able to provide a, a bit of distraction um, considering everything going on right now and really just provide uh, analysis. And of course the news and information as the NFL world really hasn't stopped. Unlike, of much what else around us. So for myself, Dan Lobby, Mary Kay Cabot, I'm Ellis Williams signing off. Stay healthy, stay safe, and take care, y'all. Thanks for listening.